You are listening to Topics in the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls with Dr. Miriam Brand. Learn more at understandingsin.com. Hello, and welcome to the beginning of my lecture series that I'm going to be posting on the podcast. I'm going to be alternating uh, biblical lectures and lectures on Second Temple texts. So these are actually more classes. There's a lot of back and forth, you'll notice. And of course, there's usually a Q&A session at the end. This class is the concubine of Gibeah, Pelegish Magiv'ah. As you know, I've been wanting to give this class for a really long time. It's a story about collective punishment gone horribly wrong. So very briefly, uh, you'll note when I quote a Hebrew verse, I will translate it or paraphrase it. Just wait. Uh, sometimes I use Hebrew pronunciation for words. Stom is Sodom, Lot is Lot. Now, this is a class given in a shul, in a synagogue. If I make a reference that you're not familiar with, feel free to add it as a question, as a comment on the post on my site, understandingsin.com. So you'll, you can go to understandingsin.com, find the post for Pelegish by Giva, or Concubine of Gibeah, and add your question to it as a comment. I will either reply on the site itself, or I may include it in one of my Q&A podcast episodes. Now, there's Q&A at the end of this talk, and in this case, it actually covers some important things, like the structure of the Book of Judges, Shoftim, parallels with the Saul story between the concubine of Gibeah story and the Saul story. There are considerable parallels. And the ancient approach to oaths. So I recommend you actually listen to the Q&A in this talk. And I hope you enjoy it. Please let me know on uh, understandingsin.com. Thanks. Good evening, everyone. And tonight uh, we're going to learn Pelegish Begiv'ah, the concubine of Gibeah. You'll see what the connection is to kind of Elul and this period uh, later. But no matter what, it's a fascinating story. And it does so many different things. And it has so many, so much wrapped up into it. Besides the fact that it's um, it's a shocking story, right? I am recording this and hopefully I'll have it posted on my site. So anyone who's listening, this is not for kids. Not that I'm going to go into detail, but it's just not, you know, an appropriate story for kids. As I've said before, this is the story they always say when when I was a kid and they had those after-school specials about how censorship is bad, and they'd have some, like, PTA meeting where they wanted to censor books in the school library, and someone would get up and tell the plot of of Pelegesh Bagivah, the concubine of Gibeah, and then they'd end with, and that's in the Bible. Will you, are you going to censor the Bible? Will you take the Bible out of the library? Right? And that, that's, and because, because it really is, it's this, it's this shocking story. They're actually, as we have learned in our overview of, of Yechezkel, we've, we've read some much more explicit chapters, but this story is truly horrifying. And that's why it sticks with us. But in tonight's class, we're going to look a little bit deeper. I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to get the kind of the, 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 the heart of the story, but also reading it as kind of, an, it, it's in its context, it's, it's at the end of Shoftim, right? At the end of Judges. And what it, it's part of the series of kind of this deteriorating situation. And what it's describing is whether or not, and, and, and at certain points it actually seems to be describing something very early on in the history of Israel. It's describing it as if it's right before the period when Israel finally gets a king. And the point is, this is when there was no king, right? Yeah, judges are all good and fine, so after all, but, but this is a time where there actually is no one ruling, and everyone does what he wants. And this is a refrain throughout Shoftim, throughout judges, that 
and this was when there was no king. Each person did what they, what they felt was right in his eyes, okay? And that's part of this. Now, what we're going to see is what's interesting is that they do have, and that's a big part of what this story is about, there is a system of kind of judgment. The problem is that the system of judgment is this kind of social communal outrage, right, which does not go anywhere good. So we're going to talk about that. But let's start with the actual, you know, the actual kind of happening. So we start, we start, and we're looking at in Judges chapter 19, it's Shoftim Perkyutet, okay, and we start, Okay, it was in those days, there was no king in Israel. And that's the whole, this part of the whole basic moral of this long story. So he, here's this guy from Levi. He lives on the edges of the, of the mount, mountains of Ephraim. And he takes a wife, a concubine, a woman, a concubine, from Bethlehem Yehuda. So uh, what's interesting here is that it kind of hits and all the kind of the, the ruling tribes, right? The ruling Shvatim, right? Got, you've got Levi, you've got Ephraim, and you've got Yehuda, right? Because this is going to be a nasty story, and it's going to kind of cover... So this way, everyone's covered. Everyone's involved in the nastiness, right? And his, his Pilegish, his concubine, was unfaithful to him. That's certainly at least what it sounds like. And she went from him to her father's house. El bet lechem Yehuda to bet lechem, which is in the area of Yehuda. But tihisham yamim arba'a chodashim. She was there for four months. Okay, so already the setup is is yucky. Here's a woman. She's not a full wife. She's a concubine. You don't know why. He's just she's just a concubine. She was unfaithful to him, and she went away for four months. Right? And it sounds like that's it. She left him. Right? Do we know uh, for a fact that she was unfaithful? It, that's what it tells us. Yeah. It says batizne. Batizne, which literally means, Batizne, a love pilaksha, which literally means his concubine kind of hoard against him. Oh, yeah. So it seems like the written word wants us to believe that she was, in fact, unfaithful. Okay? Um, she went to her father's house. And then she goes to her father's house. One assumes that, what the assumption seems to be that she was unfaithful, and either she was in love with the other guy, so she left him, or she's like, okay, that's it. I was unfaithful. Relationship's over. I'm going back home. Right? Going back to your father's house is going back home. If you're an unattached woman, what are you going to do? You've either got to have a husband or you've got to have a father, right? It's certain, you know, it's a, I guess what I'm asking yeah. could be understood that she wasn't actually unfaithful in the, the way we think. She simply left him and went back to her father's house. Is that, is no, that, I do not think so, no. The verb she is. The You cannot read, unless she was doing very inappropriate things with her father, you could not read it as that that this was simply going back. It's related to the word zona. Right, 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 exactly. It's from the same root as zona. Right, exactly. Huh? Okay, you know why? Because the reason, the reason, and this is always important when we're learning exegesis, particularly religious exegesis, and this is no, this really, I'm not really not throwing shade on religious exegesis, okay? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't understand why something is such a problem for a traditional exegete. Like, you know, you're reading, um, you don't understand why is Rashbam have such a problem with X. Right? What's bothering Rashi? What's bothering Rashi, right? Right. But so one the problem here is if she actually had an affair, he can't take her back according to Torah law. According to Torah law, if a woman has has an affair on her husband, or even let's say her common law spouse, she has an affair on him, he's not allowed to take her back. 
He's not allowed to. So the question is, how can he come back after her? So Dot McCross says it can't possibly mean that she was unfaithful, okay? Yeah. However, however, the plain meaning of the text is that she was unfaithful. Now, the fact is, so some, uh, certainly uh, there, there are plenty of, of biblical scholars who will say, well, this, the fact that you have a law in the Torah in one place doesn't mean it was common law in this period or, or in this, for this, for this story. At the same time, also, there's a lot of norms being broken in this story. This story is setting you up for weird things are going on. People are acting in ways, big and small, that they shouldn't be doing, that, that's wrong, it's off. And this is already setting it up for it's off. She did something she wasn't supposed to do. She went back to her father, and then he comes after her. Right? And her husband goes, and he goes, he goes after her to persuade her to bring her back. And his servant is with him, and a pair of donkeys. Why a pair of donkeys? We'll get to that later. Now, I really want to point out, there's no reason to say that he's bringing a pair of donkeys, okay? There's zero reason. Why, should, why, why do we care that he bring a pair of donkeys? Because it's, it's important later because of what he doesn't do, all right? So he comes to her father's house, and the father of the girl is super happy to see him, right? Also... Kind of weird, right? It's, 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 and he like held him. His father-in-law like holds him, right? The father of the girl. And he, and he, and he dwells with him for three days. And they ate and they drank and they slept there. On the fourth day, like we always expect, you know, one, two, three, and then the fourth, something happens, right? On the fourth day, they get up in the morning and he gets up to go. Okay, that's it. We've been three days, nice three days. Now we're going home. And the father of the, of the girl says to his son-in-law, Eat something, then go. Okay. They sat and they ate and they drank. So now sleep over already. It'll be good, right? Maybe the idea is that he's he, since he drank, maybe he's a little drunk. He's like, stay here. Okay. And but the man he wanted to get up and go, and he but his his father in law insisted. So he slept in. This is super weird, okay? This is the first time, the first time I realized how weird the story is was because of this. Because there's something called, there's a, there's a verb, lishalech, right? And sometimes it means just to send, like lishalech, right? Um, but lishalech in PL also means to release, like to release a bird, right? And, and lishalech happens, if you, if you do just kind of a search, lishalech happens frequently with the word mourning. Why? Because the idea is that you have a guest and you release him in the morning. In the morning, you send him off, you release him. Because the idea is that when you leave, if your host wants you to stay, you, can, you, know, you, you each owe each other something, right? If your host really wants you to stay, you should stay. You should, your host has to kind of say goodbye, right? And release you in the morning, right? And this isn't happening. Okay. That's what we were reading. So his, his father-in-law insisted. So he slept over. On the fifth day, he gets up in the morning to go. And, and still, the father says, eat something. And they kind of delay until, until it starts, until, until noon, until kind of the passing of the day. 
Now, this is also coming to explain something. Why in the world would you be stuck in somewhere in the middle of the night where you don't have a place to sleep? Okay? Ah. All right? So this is the setup for that as well. Okay? So the guy gets up to go. It's the middle of the day already. He wanted to get up in the morning. That's when you start traveling. You start traveling in the morning. But his father-in-law keeps insisting that he stay. Right? Um, so he gets up. His pilag is just coming back with him. His concubine is coming back with him and his servant. He says, look, look, it's already, the day's already starting to pass. Sleep here. It's, you know, the day's going, waning. Sleep here. And it'll be good for you. And tomorrow morning, get up and go on your way. And you'll go to your dwelling. And he said he didn't want to. He didn't want to sleep. And he got up and he went. And he got until opposite Yavus. Now, what, so what's going on? There are norms being broken here left and right. First of all, the whole setup is weird. She was unfaithful. He came to get her back. She's already been away four months. He's trying to, he gets her back. Then the father-in-law won't let him leave. We don't know why. We'll never know why. Why didn't he want him to leave? What did he think was going to happen? And he keeps on not letting him stay. And now he's breaking a norm by saying, no, I'm not going to stay. I'm going to go. Right? At the same time, we can kind of understand because this father-in-law is being completely ridiculous. And these things lead to this idea that instead of leaving in the morning like he should, he left in the middle of the day. Okay? They also sort of glossed over the, very quickly the fact that he has the Plegish back, that he's going with the He's plegish. going with the Plegish. We, we know that he went to get the Plegish. Well, yeah. And we, it, it, well, he had three days. Right, but so they sort of like didn't get into, okay, he was successful, just... Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. We are supposed to kind of assume, that we, but we can kind of, we realize it early on because of the kind of a use of a, plur, of, of a plural in certain places where we realize it. And also, it doesn't say that he failed. He, he came to get her. So like he wasn't, and his father-in-law was super nice to him. So the assumption is that there's nothing keeping him from taking her, except her own will, which she seems to be with him. Well, we don't know that she's happy to see him. Her father's super happy. Her father's like, thank God, right? Her father's super happy to see him. We don't know. She has zero voice in this story. Well, she doesn't have zero voice. We'll say she has a little bit of a voice, but not one that's heard, obviously. She is treated from beginning to the end, really is this kind of, we don't hear her. We don't know what she's thinking, except there are actually no, in the, at the height of the horror, we can guess, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the story does not hide it from us. It hints it to us, and I think that makes it more horrible. But we'll see that. Well, at the um, beginning, she leaves the husband. She leaves him, but it says that she was unfaithful to him. It's, it sounds like either she fell in love with someone else, or she was unfaithful and then she figured it was over. It's not really uh, blaming him. It's actually kind of unusual that he's he's he says no no I'm gonna go after her and convince her to come back. No, but with me. It's, it's some action on her part. Oh yeah 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 no no she acts we just don't know what she's thinking. Like people asked in the beginning like okay so she was unfaithful why'd she go back to her father's house? The answer was there seems to be an assumption on her part I can't stay with this guy right I have to go back to my father now. You don't know why. You don't know what happened. Now, the question is how much that's supposed to bother us. There's certain things that I, I do think are supposed to bother us, like everyone not acting the way you're supposed to act, right? No one's acting the way they're supposed to act here. And we're already set up for this kind of twilight zone of no one's doing what they're supposed to do, right? And that sets us up for kind of what turns into this mix of kind of horror story and then this kind of, yeah, we're all in this together. Let's 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 continue. So he so there they get to to opposite Yevus, Yerushalayim. That's what come becomes Jerusalem later. But it's still 
I'm on your turn. And he has with him his pair of donkeys, right? And his concubine. What is Kavushim? Uh, they, with their, uh, they've got their, um, their like saddles and stuff on them. Yeah, what happened to yeah. the It'll show up later, but it was more important for us to know about the donkeys. Heim im Yivus. Vayom rad They're already at Yivus, right? And this day is really, the day's gone. The day's, day's the sun's setting, right? Vayom hanar el Adonav. Lecharonav v'nasur el ira Yivusi hazot v'nalimba. So his servant says to his master, he says, let's go to this this city, this Yivusi, this Jebusite city, and sleep there. Vayom ha'elav Adonav. Lo nasur el irnochui. Ashalom ibn Yisrael hena. We're not going to go to a foreigner city that, you know, it's a, the city that's not from, from B'nai Israel. We know that, that, you know, we can't trust them, right? Who can we be safe with? Give us, so let's go to give us. It's close by. It really is pretty close by. And that their good Israelites will be there and we'll be fine, right? Jerusalem was settled by Canaanites? By Jebusites, yeah. David conquers it from Yavus. So that says, and the whole point is that this is before there's a king. Vayomer l'na'aro, and he said to his servant, Obarama. So he says, okay, so let's let's go to one of these, one of, one of the nearby Israelite cities, and we'll sleep in Giv'ah in And they went, and it's the sunset just as they got to Giv'ah, which is in Binyamin. They went to go and sleep in Giv'ah, and they went and they sat in the wide and central area of the city, like the courtyard of the city, right? And no one's taking them home to sleep. Another very weird thing, and clearly op- completely opposite of their expectations, right? No one's taking them home to sleep. And then one, there's one old guy coming back from his work in the field at night. He is from the mountains of Ephraim. He just lives in Giva. But the other people of the place are from Binyamin. Why is that important to us? Because he's not a local. He's not a local, so? So his behavior is atypical. Right, his behavior is atypical of this nasty town. Right. Right, right, right. So you you don't know what the story is. It's very much, and I really do think it's like a setup in a horror movie. You come to this town and it's deserted, and there's one old guy who's like, "Come up with me. Don't let anyone else see you." Like that. (laughs) You can imagine it's like the setup. Yeah, you get the setup, right? And then it turns out that all the other houses are infested with goblins or something. Like, like you have this kind of setup, and you're supposed to feel the strangeness of the setup and the fact that the reason he's taking them home is because he's not he's not local. Right? Oh, but the, um, we had Harafraim in the beginning. He what? Was local to where the lady lived in right, right. But he, he's, not, he's not using that. So it's it, the guy's from Harafraim, but he doesn't he seem to use that as which, what you would expect. Like, oh, hey, we're local yeah. you know, buddies, right? And he lifts up his eyes because he's coming back from his work and he sees this, this person, this guest, right, in the main central area of the city. Where are you going and where are you coming from? He says, okay, we're going 
from Beit Lechem Yehuda until the edges of Harifrim. Now, maybe, maybe it is helping you understand why this guy takes him in, but I don't think that's necessary. I think the assumption is that this guy is is not from this place, and he knows that if you have a, 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 a traveler at night, you take him in to sleep, because he has to sleep somewhere. So I'm from Yerkete Harifrim. That's where we're going from Beit Lechem Yehuda to Yerkete Harifrim. Okay? Ve'elech ad Beit Lechem Yehuda, ve'et Beit Hashem holech. And I'm going to Bet Lechem in Yuda, and I'm going to the house of God. Okay? Is he going to the house of God, by the way? So he's going home. This is the first we're hearing that he's going to the house of God. Why is he telling him he's going to the house of God? What? What? Don't hurt me because I'm going to come Yeah, like, I'm on pilgrimage. That's what it sounds like. I'm going to the house of God, so don't you want to host me? Like, that's the sort of thing you do for people who are going to the house of God, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's the only house of God that they're supposed to be at this time, right? So where he's going to stay, where he's going, if, you know, assuming, and, and, and it, it, the whole, the whole thing in show, in this, in this story is weird because when they talk about the festival of Chilo, then they have to give everyone directions. Like no one knows where Chilo is, which is a little weird. Uh, that's fine, but it's, this is the first time we're hearing that he's going, he's going, and he, he whips it right out. And the answer is because, and answer is it seems like this is, this is going to help convince this guy to host him. And I also think it's already telling us that this guy is not the most honest guy in the world. In other words, if something will help him, he'll twist things a little. It's not a super huge lie, and you can understand it, but you can't rely on everything this guy says, right? So, I'm talking about the Levi, yeah. The Levi, he says, you know, I'm going to the house of God. This is the first time we're hearing about the house of God. The whole time he was saying, I'm going home, right? And he needs a place to sleep. So now all of a sudden he's going to the house of God. No one's taking me home, right, to sleep. He's like, we've also got all our food with us. We've got food for our animals. We've got food for ourselves. All we need is a place to sleep. You don't even have to feed us. And so the, the old man says, welcome. Anything that you're, that you're missing is on me. Just don't sleep in the street. Just not sleep in the street. Don't sleep in this wide space because that's where he's going to have to sleep if no one takes him in. But he brings him to his house. Right? So he, he takes care of the donkeys and he washes their feet and they, they eat and they drink. They're having a good time. And here the people of the city, people who are B'nai B'liyal, meaning that they're the worthless people who, again, who are, don't, B'nai B'liyal seem to, seem to be people, they're, they're wicked people, but also um, um, possibly people who don't, also part of the wickedness is that they don't hold fast to norms, right? They don't, they don't follow, um, but they're wicked, right? They're knocking on the door. They say to the owner of the house, the, the old guy, saying, bring out this man who comes to your house and we shall know him, quote unquote, right? We'll have relations with him. Okay. It's obviously exactly the same as stone. It's exactly the same, same as stone, word. right? It's the same. It's and you're meant to bring it out of stone. We're going to see soon another parallel to stone, which is clearly almost ridiculous, right? And the, the owner of the house comes out to them. 
They said, please, my brothers, don't do evil. After this person came to my home, don't do this terrible thing. This is, here's my virgin daughter and his concubine. I'll bring them out to you and you can hurt them. You torture them and rape them, right, essentially. And he's using that word. In other words, he's not saying, you know, have fun with them. He's not saying sleep with them. He's saying, and rape them, right? Do whatever's good to them is good in your eyes. And to this man, don't do this horrible thing. Okay. So first, on a not on a uh, less outrageous note, why does he have to? T- he's got a daughter, and there's also a concubine. Why does he have to offer them both? They just want one guy, right? Why doesn't he say take this woman? It's horrible. It's horrible, no matter what, right? Why is he? Why is he here? Take two women. Why? Because it's it's a parallel to stone, right? Take my two daughters, right? So you've got to have two. So he's going to get two. So he's got to have his, he has a daughter and this guy's got a concubine. One man's worth two women. The, the story is consciously aware. Like it, 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 what's going on, certainly in this story, there are lots of parallels. And here you can't, there's just no logic to it unless you're saying this is a parallel to stone. Or one man's worth two women. Oh, right. Or one man's worth two women, right? We're not saying you want one. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you But I, I would think that the, the woman virgin is an upgrade. But then who, what do I know? I don't know how these things go on the open market. Um, I, I have to say, like, but, but, but the, the, it's what's horrible is, and, and, and again, I think we're actually supposed to pay attention to this. What is he doing? Like, like we are absolutely supposed to say, what the heck? What is, what is, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to these women, right? And we're supposed to be aware of that. In other words, you say, don't do this horrible thing. Instead, do this other thing, which is why don't you rape these two women? So now he's, it seems like, yeah, great. He's hospitable. Good for him. But he's taking this hospitality to this crazy degree, like, like Lot to a certain extent, yeah, right? I mean, Lot but Lot does something yeah, similar. But he's taking this, he's, he's taking this to a crazy degree. Like, what? Right? And so what happens? It's, it's not a good deal for these guys. These guys didn't want to listen. So, okay, there's not actually in this, in this pursuit in this verse. Okay. So the man took, grabbed his concubine and he essentially threw her outside to them. And they had intercourse with her and they abused her, right? It, it, it's making it clear they didn't just like, they didn't just like sleep with her, right? They abused this woman all night till the morning. And then what do they do? And then they release her in the dawn, right? As opposed to who didn't release someone in the dawn? The father-in-law, right? So they, and it's, it's meant to be this kind of awful, irony kind of thing. Like, you're supposed to release a guest at dawn. And they're releasing a guest at dawn, quote-unquote. Look what they've done, right? It's, and you're supposed to kind of realize just how crazy everything's gone. Again, from, from small norms being broken to these huge, horrible things happening, okay? And so they release this woman at dawn, and look what they've done. But okay? And the woman comes as, as it's turning, as it's becoming morning, the early dawn. 
at her. And she goes, she falls on the doorway in the house of the man that her master is there until the light. Now, this is interesting because here, all of a sudden, this guy who before was her husband is now her master. Okay, all of a sudden, he's her master. He wasn't her master before. He was, he was the servant boy's master, but he wasn't her master before. He was her husband. Whenever he was referred to in relation to her, he was referred to as her husband. What is right? husband called a Baal? Ish. Ish. Oh, in, 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 in general, biblically, a husband is... A, biblically, so except for... Well, 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 there are... Except where the emphasis in the biblical passage is a man's authority over his wife and, 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 and like, for like uh, you know, he's, he's responsible for her oath, you know, when they have... Huh? Her vows, right. So... so I would never say I don't. Right, right. Adon, as you really wouldn't say, really means her master, as if she's his servant girl and not, and, and this is the first time we see it, because frankly, this is the way he behaved, right? Right? He's like, no, better you than me, you know? And he threw her out, and there was no kind of partner relationship there, and he keeps calling him that. And her, her master woke up in the morning, got up in the morning, and he opened the doors of the house, and he went out to go on his way. Now, hold on. Wait, what? Right? He went out to go on his way after his concubine's been raped all night, right? And behold, the woman, his concubine, has fallen in the doorway of the house. And her, her arm is on the threshold, which gives you like this picture like this, and she's completely helpless. And you've got to know what's happened to this woman, right? And you're supposed to picture it, right? Because it's unusual to have a, a description like this. And he says to her, Get up and let's go. And there's no, no one answers, right? And he puts her on the donkey. And the man got up and he went home to his place. And he got home. And he took a big, sharp knife. And he held his concubine. And he cut her down to her bones in 12 pieces. And he said, yeah, also again, So, And he sent her in all, in, throughout Israel. Now, the, one, there's a question, which I actually think, there's a question, is she dead? Right, when he takes her and chops her up, because it doesn't actually say, and at that point she was dead, right? Um, but, it, yeah, so you could, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, but, but it does sound like you're supposed to assume that she's dead, but it's also you're, you have this kind of horror. Now, here, we actually, what we actually have is not a parallel, but a contrast. Who else cuts something up into 12 pieces? Shaul. Shaul, Saul, Shaul, when he wants to make all of Israel um, kind of gather to fight against Yavesh Gilad, he takes one of his oxen and he cuts it up into 12 pieces and he sends it out all over Israel. Okay? So you could say, how horrible this guy is cutting up his concubine. The, Shaul was not doing anything to that ox that one doesn't frequently do to an ox, right? He wasn't desecrating a body, right? And this man is taking this woman and he's adding literally insult to injury. And this woman who, who's been raped to death, he cuts her up into pieces and sends them out. You could say, what? Well, what was he supposed to do? What could he have cut up? An ox. He had a pair of donkeys. Oh, he only needs one now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we, we had, from the beginning of the story, he had this pair of donkeys. We didn't know why he had this pair of donkeys. 
right? If he had been even a little bit like Saul, and the donkey's not worth as much as an ox, right? Saul sacrificed an ox for, for it. He wouldn't sacrifice a donkey. He just cut up his dead, he just cuts up his dead concubine. But she'd be violated. She wasn't worth anything anymore. He, well, that was the thing. And, and the thing is, you're, you are supposed to be shocked. In other words, this isn't saying, oh, yeah, that's cool what he did. You're supposed to be like, What? Right? You can see Shaul's action as, as fixing it. And those who see this, right, right, you see, he's from Benjamin, exactly. And in fact, he fights against Yavesh Galad, and we'll see Yavesh Galad also comes in at the end of the story here. Four, 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 four rather. No, no, four. So for Yavesh Galad also comes up later, and Yavesh Galad comes up, yeah, Yavesh Galad comes up at the end of the story. So there are a lot of parallels. Um, a lot of biblical scholars think of it rather as this story is kind of being composed to contrast with the kingship of Shaul, because part of what this story is telling us is how bad things are without a king. Okay? That's a good story about Shaul. That's a good story. So you take a good story about Shaul, and then you have a bad story where everything's the opposite, and where someone could have cut up a donkey to, to, to unite everyone if like, he just wanted to say, this is like my... Because there's no reason that, that Shaul has to cut up an ox for, you know, like right. he just does it to kind of, you know, but he, you know, he could have cut up a donkey and, and that's really like, why else does it keep telling us he's got a pair of donkeys, right? Because he has a declaration, he's done something so barbaric. But, yeah, and right, and so he says, so he says, okay. but yet, no, he, he doesn't, he doesn't really make a, a, a yeah, everyone who sees it, Everyone who sees it, it does its job, right? Everyone who sees it says, nothing, there's nothing like this has ever been happened, has ever happened since the day that B'nai Yisrael, from the, the, the Israelites came up from Egypt until today. Pay attention to it. Let's all, let's all, you know, kind of gather and talk about it and decide what we should do. It's super, super creepy. Um, uh, Stuart Lassine wrote an article where he thinks that there's uh, um, there's creepiness, but it's actually being, that there's actually kind of some, not exactly comic relief, but some, like, kind of comedy that's heightening it in that, you know, here's this guy who's clueless. Like, hey, get up. Like, she's dead. She's dead. She's lying dead there, you know, and you're just acting clueless. Where, where we have in Stone, they get stricken with blindness, right? And they're still groping for the door. Like, are you crazy? You're stricken with blindness. Now you want, you still want to like grope a door and find, find these guests. Like you've seen you normal, normal person would go like, I've been stricken with blindness. I don't know, right? Instead, they're groping for the door, which is ridiculous. So that he thinks that this, this kind of use of total ignorance is meant to be kind of funny and kind of heighten the tension and the weirdness and the creepiness. So, so his, yeah. his purpose for chopping up and sending out apparently was to shock everybody and they're saying it worked. I mean, basically everyone was shocked. It, it, it works, everyone's shocked, right? So and, 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 and this is... They're this, shocked that he cut her up or they're shocked that... We do not know at this point. Yeah, what we see from their response is the main thing is that it happened. But look, look, but... This is what's interesting. As we go on, so, okay, so this is the end of the horrible story that happened in Giva, right? That's, that's that story, right? And now we're moving into other, another stage of the story where we look at the response, right? And what's wrong with the response, right? What, what happens once we get to the response? Because the idea is, without a king, and let's change king for someone who's got some distance, 
and can make a decision that, that that's not swayed by this kind of outrage. And what's important is that we see this did like in in certainly in the in the context of the story, this did happen. A horrible, horrible thing happened, right? And no one's and so to us, the reader, right? We know exactly what happened, right? As the reader or the audience, we we know quote unquote what happened, right? Okay, but these people don't. And so how are they going to figure out what happened? They know something happened. They know something happened. Except the piece started through he included some sort of scroll or something. One assumes that he explained it. I assume that he didn't just get a piece of concubine and then have to draw their own conclusions. So all of Israel gathers like one man. From Dan to Beersheba, and also the land of Gilad, which isn't between Dan and Beersheba, so right. you have to like mention it, right? So, so everyone, yeah, yeah, right. So since it's not in between, you want to make sure that they're covered, right? So they're all gathering. El Hashem HaMitzpah, to God on the Mitzpah. In other words, there's, there's, some, there's a, a, a place of worship there, and they're going to the Mitzpah. Either a place of worship or a an oracle, kind of an oracular place, probably both, right? And we'll see, of course, the oracle comes up later. So all from the nation, you've got 400,000 like, people who can fight from, from this, uh, this gathering. Okay, and Binyamin heard that essentially everyone else from Bnei Israel gathered, all right, to the mitzvah, and Bnei Israel said, so you have this kind of gathering, and everyone speaking as one, speak, they say, how or where was this evil done, or how is this evil done? Vayan ha'isha levi. And the, the, the Levite, right, the, the husband of the woman who was murdered, says, now this is interesting because now it's, she's murdered, right? Okay. That's the crime now. And we don't, and, and, and I think it is kind of important that we don't really know what exactly happened there, right? But she's murdered. And he's saying, so he starts with the guys who are guilty, right? The, 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 the to the give ah to give ah that is in Binyamin. I came, I and my I and my and my concubine came to sleep. And the people from give ah went and they surrounded my house at night. They wanted to kill me and my concubine. They tortured, essentially raped, and she died. He changed the story, right? We know he changed the story, right? Do they know they changed? He changed the story. They don't, right? He gave it a very different spin. Yeah, he did because they didn't want to kill him. They just wanted to to to, to rape him. If, if uh, not necessarily, that it's not really clear. Um, now, could be, and I'm sure that it's not something that any guy would want, even if he didn't die, right? But she died from it, but she's, she's much physically, she's, first of all, she's physically weaker, and second of all, they were angry, right? Um, it, it's, it, it, it's certainly, you could understand him saying it was her or me, but that's not the story he's telling, right? right? The story he's telling sounds like they wanted to kill me, and they grabbed my concubine, right. which is not what happened, right? It's not what happened. Um, so if you were acting, this okay. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's right. So, what could they have done? So, if if a guy comes and he says, "This is a story," what in what were they supposed to do? Verify it. You're supposed any time there is collective punishment in the Bible, whether it's God carrying it out or whether it's supposed to be people carrying it out, you're always supposed to investigate, right? With the irni dachat, right? You're supposed to say you should question very carefully. Is this really? Is this really what's going on? With Sdom, God goes to see, right? Right? It tells you God went down to see what's going on, right? Right? Is is this really? Is it really like what I hear? What do you mean? You're God. You have to investigate before you wipe out a city, right? No one's investigating. Why? They don't even try. And part of it, but part of they're not trying, is that we're going from what the, what's, what's powerful about what he did, and he cut up his concubine and brought, everyone's together. Right. Now is the time to act, right? Everyone's together and everyone's upset, yeah. and let's you do this thing, right? Right, and you, you you don't say you know when you've got everyone so upset and say who did this horrible thing? It's not there's no one who can say hold on hold on guys hold on let's send an investigation. No, everyone says this is horrible. Right? Like everyone showed up because there was no system. It wasn't like right. That's right. That's right. Right. Normal place where there are courts and stuff. They'll be like, oh my god, that's horrible. What happened? What did the police? Do? Right. 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 And what's interesting is it's everyone's gathering here. It's not even. They didn't send representatives. They didn't send their representatives. They didn't say, oh yeah, let's let's do one of our you know like uh, our representatives get together every six months and talk it out. No, everyone's there and they're all upset. And he says, the and I grabbed my concubine and I cut her up. And I sent her out over all the fields of Israel. Because they did a disgusting thing in Israel. Here, you're all Israelites. Go talk about, decide what to do. The whole nation says, like, one man, we're, none of us are going to go home, essentially, until we settle this thing. So this seems good, right? They're all united, okay? The problem is that no one is actually thinking things through, right? No one's saying we should investigate. No one's saying, what should we do? Let's just all get together. We're just going to go ahead and do it. It's like mafia justice. What? It's like mafia justice. It's, it's, it's more than like mafia justice is a little bit more concentrated, I think. It's, it's, it's like mob justice. Like, yeah, it's mob mentality. It reminds me, like, like now with things that go on in Twitter, I can understand yeah, a little bit better. It's like, <gasps> now here we know that something horrible happened. Right. 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 It's like, yeah, yeah, everyone's together. Yeah. Everyone's like, that's horrible. Now, here we know that it actually is horrible, like, which, which is a difference. We actually know that something horrible did happen, right? There's no good side here. Right? There's, there's, I mean, we're more, certainly more on the side of, is, of the Israelites than we are yeah. on the other side, right? Like, we're like, okay, he lied, kind of, and he's, he's a drek, but, but, like, he's, but this city is really horrible. Right? And, and everyone's united, right? But what the problem is that when you start with this outrage, it kind of spirals. And this is what is going to happen, right? It seems like they didn't like them yeah. anyway. And it's just this kind of just, you know, because they could seem like they were nervous about that city. They were nervous about Well, no, I, I don't think that, I don't think anyone was, I don't think that they were, I don't think they were, they, they don't seem to know about the city. Yeah, the he father, tells them the this happened in the city. To leave. Maybe he was afraid that he would. Oh, no, but no, the father, it's because the, fa the father in law didn't want him to leave, but there's a path. It, it, it was not a big deal, honestly, for him to get home. 
right? Um, the father-in-law didn't want him to leave because he didn't want him to leave. He left too late, and that's why he got stuck. If he had left at dawn, right, he wouldn't have gotten stuck Maybe near Yavuz. Right? Like, guy- we will never know why that father mm-hmm. didn't want yeah, her to. He yeah, he. Why didn't? Why didn't he want his daughter to go home with this guy? But the whole way the father acts is weird because he's thrilled to see him, right? So. Does he feel like he needs to keep an eye on his daughter, or is he just super weird, or is no one acting the way they should, and it's a setup for this, for, for everything horrible? I like, he, I would think he's still the same because the daughter, at this point, if, if, the, if the guy does come after her, she's uh, she can't be, go, marry anyone else. She has a reputation now. The only one she can go out and go back to. Right. So when he's so thrilled, when he's thrilled, you can understand. He's like, oh, I thought I was going to have to like support her till she's like 82. Right, so now, now and now, now you're here to get her. So that's great. But then he doesn't let them leave. So what's going on? And which, yes, I think we're like, what's going on? And, and, and that's a setup for how no one's acting like they're supposed to act, right? And it gets worse. Yeah. Okay. I thought no, it was because he was afraid that he was going to kill her or that he was afraid that he would stay. I thought maybe that this, that this right. town had a reputation. He was afraid that he would oh, stay. Oh, no. I don't, think, I don't think the problem was with the town because there was no reason for him to stay at that town. And, in fact, there were other places nearby okay. he could yell. He could have gone. And it, it's also pretty careful about telling us it just happened to be, he says, oh, we could go to Giva or Rama, okay. right? And it just happened to be that when the sun sets, they're at Giva. That's right? like a horror movie. Yes! It's like a horror movie. Like if you'd only go, gone to the next yeah. house, you wouldn't have right. been with the serial killer. Right? Like that. <laughs> and there was also so, that yeah. point in the movie that the initial suggestion was to go to this non-Jewish town. Said, right. Yeah. Right, right. Because there's this idea, but no, because there's this idea on the one hand, all the social norms have kind of fallen apart. On the other hand, there's this belief that the social norms are working. Right, and that that has to do with him saying no, we're going to stay in an Israelite city, and them saying this sort of thing can't be done in Israel. So what are we going to do? We're all together. We all know the right thing to do. What is the right thing to do? What are they going to do against Giva? They're going to go to war against it. That's it. They're going to go to war against it. Now, again, we're pretty sympathetic to these guys because Giva really sounded awful. Right, but no one sent an investigator. They don't know was this the entire city? Was this ten people in the city? Like it doesn't take that many people to surround a house. They've done zero investigation. They're saying, okay, that's it. We're going to war against Giva. All right. It's, it's not clear here. It sounds like they're taking a tenth of them of the people to go to war and a tenth of the people to kind of provide food for them. To, so that they will go against right? of Binyamin. Right, that uh, um, um, as all the the horrible things they did in Israel and Nivala, particularly less more than Blial, Nivala is usually indica- usually indicates a not following what you should do, particularly in, in terms of things like hospitality, but also you know they're just terrible people, right? Everyone's completely united. They all go against Giva, like one person, you know, friends, right? So all these, all the, all the tribes, which is apparently now, it's not all the tribes, it's all, it's all the tribes except for Binyamin, 
right? And they send to Binyamin and they say, what is this evil that has happened among you? Right? And they said, so they said, give us these people, these these horrible people, evil, wicked people that are in Giva, and we'll kill them. And we will, we will, we will, we will get rid of this evil in Israel. And Benjamin did not want to listen to them, to the voice of their brothers, Israel. Okay, so now we're going to get to a civil war. Okay, so here we see that that there's we all thought everyone was one person, but they're not, right? Because Benjamin cares about their tribe, and they care not about Benjamin. Well, Benjamin wasn't part of the mob to start with. Ben, yeah, it, it's it's right. Benjamin didn't go up. Everyone else went up. Why? Because Benjamin already knew. Apparently, they knew everyone else went up, and apparently they already knew that it had to do with Giva and Giva is their city. And they're not going to go against their own city. It's their city, right? So Benjamin now is going to say, no, we're not just going to give up a city. All right? We're not they just going to give them over. And we don't know. And we, we don't know why. Right. Yeah, so there's a... So the quite right. So, the, yeah, you can absolutely, yeah, you can absolutely, you can absolutely interpret this as saying, no, just give us the bad guys, right? Yeah. And they're like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. Are wicked, are the wicked. Bnebiel means wicked people, okay? Bnei meaning like a class of people that are like this, right? So they're evil people, yeah. Instead of going and fighting the, the, the people of Giva, they, they're prepared to go civil war against the rest of Israel? Yeah, because because Giva is theirs. Look, it's like the the American Civil War. Like there are people, you know, um, 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 you know, I'm going to fight for Virginia, right? And and no, I don't agree with the slaveholding, but I'm going to fight for Virginia, right? You know, they're they're fighting for Benjamin. It's a city in Benjamin. They're fighting for Benjamin. And what we'll see is that the they're actually very like kind of they're very good fighters. Let's say Israel. So now. Now the children of Benjamin are gathered from all the cities to give ah to go to war with Bnei Israel, right? With the rest of the Israelites. So from how many people do they have? They've got 26,000 plus 700 from Giba, okay? 26,700. Okay, mikol ha'am hazeh shva ma'ot ish b'chor iter yadimino. Of these seven hundred were lefties. Okay, kol zeh kolei b'avon el asarav v'lo yichate. Each one of these could could hit a, a, a hair with a stone and not miss. Why is it important that they're lefties? Well, Ehud ben Gera, he's from Benjamin. He's also a lefty. Is it because they they can do? unexpected things with weapons. They're coming from a different side with their weapons, maybe, and therefore they're, in a way, uh, more, they're harder fighters to fight because you're not expecting it to come from the side and they do it different different ways. And certainly they're good with, you know, throwing stones. Um, so where do the rest, everyone against Binyamin, how many are they? 400,000. Okay, so they've got 400,000 against 26,700. This should be a really quick battle, right? It should be, it should be really quick. Okay, so they're going to fight. 
Okay, what goes on? They go to Beit El. This is where they can ask God's opinion. And this is the first time they're asking, right? This is the first time they're saying to God, what should we do, right? Because they know that they should go to war. They're not asking what they should do. They say, how should we do it? We're going to war. Who should go first? And the answer is Yudah, right? It's not clear. It seems oracular. It seems like they're using some kind of oracle. It could be, you could say like the Urm Vitumim and the Ephod, right? When David gets the Ephod, it gives him some very um, cryptic answers. And it's actually kind of funny when he first gets it, he asks this long question with multiple parts and he gets like this one answer and he learns very quickly how to ask, right? So, so it's, it could be something like the Ephod where it's giving him uh, giving them a short answer, right? The answer they get is Yuda. Okay, that's a question, right? So it seems like, on the one hand, right, they're working from genuine moral feeling, and they're all working together, and yet they're letting it take them to places that are really bad. And also, at this point, there's a battle, right? You could also say, "Hey, look, this is what they're doing. They're going to war. If they don't get an answer, they're still going to war." It gets worse, though, <laughs> as so many things in this story do. This gets worse, okay? So what happens? They go to war. So Yehuda, Yehuda goes out first. They go to war, and Israel, let's say, let's, let's put it this way, Israel against Benjamin, and Israel loses terribly, okay? Benjamin are really good fighters. They are, you know, and, they, and Israel loses terribly, all right? They lose 22,000 people, all right? And then it says, Pasuk Chav Gimel, verse 23, So they cry before God until the night. They ask God, saying, And they said, should we continue to go to war? And God says, go up to him, okay? So does that mean to go to war? Does that mean... But it sounds like it does. Like, it yeah. sounds like, yes, right. Right, right. And because they want it out now. I think, I think it's now they're like, wait a second, they're our brothers, and they're also killing the hell out of us, excuse me. Uh -huh. You know, <laughs> do we have to go up against Binyam and my brother? And the answer is, keep on going, okay? So on the second day, they go out, all right, and um, they lose again. This time they lose 18,000, Okay. 18,000 warriors. So they go up, and not only do they cry, they fast, they bring sacrifices, okay? And they ask, they ask God, and the Ark of the Covenant is there. In those days. Not only do they have the Ark of the Covenant, they actually have the grandson of Aharon, who's there to bring sacrifices, right? Should I continue to go to war with the children of Benjamin, my brother, or should I stop? I said, go up, because tomorrow I will give them into your hands. So they, they do an ambush. And what's the ambush? They do a similar thing, if you know what they did, do it high, right? Is they get them to go out, they pretend to retreat, and then they go behind them and they burn their cities. And so now, not only do they defeat Benjamin, they've also burned down their cities with their women and their children, with their wives and their children, and they manage to really destroy Benjamin. 
So let's go to Lamed Hay 35. And God struck Binyamin before Israel. Um, and they killed killed twenty five thousand and a hundred. Now realize that Benjamin started with a lot less, so this really just decimates them. And they continue, and then and then they wipe out Giva. Okay, so then they just wipe out the city of Giva itself. Okay, this is after and then the the battle uh, seems to turn, okay, and Benjamin starts killing people from Israel, and then and they go up and they see the whole city is going up in smoke. Okay, and then, then the, the, the battle is pretty much over. They surround them, and Benjamin, Benjamin dies like crazy. It just keeps going and going and going. All right, um, and they, the Benjamin runs out to, to the desert. Okay, who is left? Shesh, it says in, in, in Pasuk Memzayin, in verse 47, Okay, so Benjamin says, who's left? The 600 people, and they stay in Salus and Ceremon for how long? For four months. Who all stayed somewhere for four months? The Pelegash, the, the actual concubine stayed away for four months, and here we have the four months coming up, right? From the twenty seven, the Yeah, yeah. This is they have almost almost no one's left, right? Almost no one's left, right? And and they don't have and they don't have their families either. Okay, so there's almost no one left from Benjamin. They stay there four months, like the four months that the concubine stayed away from her husband, and like that, eventually they're going to be remembered, right? This is kind of a flashback. When they were there in Mitzpah and they were all gathering, they were talking about what they're going to do, the, all the Israelites swore that they're not going to give their daughters to, to Binyamin to, to wed. Okay? This is before they realized they were going to wipe out the entire tribe. Because they didn't think. Because they were really upset. And they said, this is horrible. And look at them going to war against us. So we're going to make this oath. And that's always a stupid thing, right? If Tach was the one who made the stupid oath. Yeah. yeah, that was also a pretty dumb oath. But um, yeah, and and um, and if and that's true. Shaul makes a stupid oath, but not as bad as this one, right? And so they've already sworn they can't give their daughters to Binyamin. And now they've got to figure out what to do because you've got these 600 bachelors who are all that's left of Binyamin, right? All the women of Binyamin have been killed? They, they burned the cities, they 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 really did a real job on Benjamin. Okay, so okay. six hundred guys. Six hundred guys, right? Um, okay, so, so now the whole nation comes to Beit El without Benjamin, right? And they sit there till the evening before God, and they raise their voices and they cry. They say, why God, God of Israel, was this in Israel to, to kind of to wipe out from, from Israel an entire tribe, one tribe? 
They're not really taking responsibility. No. But they didn't say why did we do this. They didn't say yeah. They didn't say why did we start? Yeah. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? But God right? kept telling them to go. God kept telling them to go ahead with it after they'd already declared war. Now this is what's, and I think that this is the kind of the mix that you have here. You have human error, and they're actually working from genuine moral outrage, right? Right. So you have this kind of, and it's not an easy story. And it's not supposed to be an easy story. This whole thing's unsettling. Where you're like, why God and why? But they started. They didn't ask God when they could have when they could have stepped back. And you could say, well, the reason they had to keep fighting was because at that point they couldn't reverse themselves, right? Or not? Who knows? Or did they have to use? Like, did they have to burn all the city? Like, did they have to do it to that extent, right? But I, but I think that's it. So it's it's like they let themselves they let themselves in for this, and then there was no going back. And God was kind of encouraging it because they started it. But those first yeah. two days of the war, um, they lost like 40, 45,000 people. So, yeah. so God didn't simply allow them to. Kill Benjamin. He also sort of like, yeah, and then, but, but, no, of course you're gonna get hit. Yeah, so they got they got they got hit. They got hit, and it wasn't like, and they thought it was gonna be really easy to 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 uh, conquer Benjamin. One one assumes because the the numbers were so were so unfairly on their unfairly were so were so on their side. It could be that that's why they were so quick to go to war with Benjamin, saying, "Hey, we're gonna win." Well, that's right? what I was gonna say. Yeah, maybe because of um, their initial. Losses. Yeah. Maybe that stimulated them to go further with. But they keep asking. They, they, this, but when they when they have the losses, they, they say. Oh, but to burn the cities yeah, and all so that, yeah. Yeah. Then you double down. Like at that point, yeah. like once right. that has happened, they're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna. Right, right. But 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 realize like, realize oh, no, when they when, in the in the beginning when they start then they start asking God, can we stop? Right, and God's like, "No, keep going." Yeah, that's <laughs> like that. That's 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 what happens. I mean, they they say, "Can we stop?" And God's like, "No, <laughs> keep going." And then at the end, God's like, "Okay, this time I'm gonna you're gonna win." And then they win. But the question is, and then the, then this is the question. The question is, how much of this is really from them? Right? How much of this? How much of this disaster? Okay, so God said, "You know, fight them," but. First of all, it's only after they've already started. They've already said, okay, we're all going to fight, right? Then and then God's like, okay, send Yehuda first, right? They wanted to um, stop. And then they wanted to stop. Yeah, yeah, they wanted, they wanted to stop. But at that point, is there, is there a way back? And, and then, okay, you're going to win. Did they have to win that way, right? Like, they had to win with a trick, it was clear. Like, it, it, apparently, the, and, and this is another thing, in terms of the contrast with Sha'ol, what's being emphasized here is how Binyamin are, they're great fighters. They're amazing fighters, and they don't give up. They keep going, even in the last battle, they keep going, you know, so you're like, wow, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's distressing, the whole thing is distressing, but these, they're amazing warriors, right? And if you're, if you're, then you go to Shaul, and you're like, okay, you know, Benjamin, you know, they know how to, they know how to fight, and they, there's a certain courage there, right? At the same time as the moral, the genuine moral outrage is on Yisrael's side. In other words, they've got a reason to be outraged, even though they didn't check, even though they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and even though they didn't look for other ways to fix this, right? Well, I think demanding the specific the Nabi was okay. Well, but I think that goes back to Becky's point in terms of there was no king or, or a central anything. They couldn't just, what would you, if a king was there, the king could say, go and get these guys. 
right? You wouldn't have to say to Benjamin, give up the, your own, your own, your own people. They, they would just, they would just, they would just go and get these guys, right? But you couldn't do that, right? So they're going to Benjamin, go up with your guys, and Benjamin's like, no, we're Benjamin, we take care of our own, right? Right. And not just that, but we're Benjamin, we take care of Benjamin. We're not gonna be like, we're not gonna turn over someone to you, right? There's a, there's a tribal element also. Which is very, very strong in the way Benjamin is acting. Yes, that's another example of there's something good and then it like, Right. In order for there to be enough outrage, everyone has to get involved. And this is the problem, is that as soon as you get everyone involved in order to get something done, it gets out of control and people make decisions just based on the outrage and everything just spirals. So now what now the situation is they're like, oh no, we swore this oath, there's almost no one left, we swore this oath not to give them our daughters, what's going to happen? This, this tribe is gone. So they built an altar there, they brought sacrifices. Not only did they make an oath not to marry their daughters to Benjamin? They also made another clever oath that anyone who's not coming with us to fight should die. Okay? They made lots of oaths because they were all upset and like we're all in this together and anyone who's not with us is against us, right? So you're not with us, you should die. Here's another oath. Now, and now what are they going to do? They're going to do something clever. One oath will get them out of the other oath. They changed their mind. They felt bad about the uh, about about the brother Binyamin, and they said today a, a a tribe has been uprooted from Israel. What are we going to do? Because we we swore to God we're not going to give them daughters. So how, where are they going to get washed from? Okay? They said, who didn't come up to God's mitzvah? Yavesh Gilad. No one came from Yavesh Gilad. Yavesh Gilad is a, is a Jewish city? Yeah. No one came from Yavesh Gilad. And they checked. No one from Yavesh Gilad here. They said, Now they investigated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it, here it's easy, because all they have to do is ask the people who are there already. They're like, okay, guys, if you're from Yavesh Gilad, raise your hand. And no one raised their hand. That's what it sounds like they did, right? It says, they counted everyone there, and there was no one from Yavesh Gilad, right? Now, you could have said, well, maybe they're dead, right? A lot of people got killed, right? But they're like, no, no, no one came from Yavesh Gilad. And I don't think you're necessarily supposed to think that. I think you're supposed to realize that no one came from Yavesh Gilad. All right, now, okay, let's say 12,000 people, and then we'll kill more people. Now we're going to wipe out Yavesh Gilad, because we feel so bad about wiping out Benjamin. So we're going to wipe out Yavesh Gilad, and their wives, and their kids. This is, because this, is because of the, this is because of the oath that they swore, that anyone who doesn't fight with them is against them, so they're not against them, is, is going to die. Right, but it's the whole you're with me or you're getting right. So now they're going to wipe out Yavesh Gilad, but really that's not the only reason because this is going to help them a little bit, right? So what are they going to do? They're like, okay, we'll kill all the men and all the women who have been with men. 
but any virgin woman will take from you, Vesh Gilad, and they'll marry Benjamin. So this is like, this is, that's what we're going to do, okay? This is going to work out really, really excellent, okay? They, how many, how many women do they have? They have 400 from Yavesh Gilad. They have these 400 virgin women whose families they have now killed and wiped out, and whose town they've wiped out. And these girls were going to marry guys from Benjamin. Okay? So now they send for the Benjamin. I say, like, we got something for you, right? <laughs> they, they send them to them in Salary Mode. And they say, peace or well-being, right? So they, 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 they gave Benjamin, they gave the women who lived, who they let live, from the women in Vivesh Galad, but there weren't enough of them because we, we just read there, there are 600 Benjamina, uh, Benjaminite guys and there are only 400 of these women, right? So the nation is still feeling bad for Benjamin. Ah, now we have the elders. The elders say, What are we going to do for the rest of them for women? All the, because the women have been destroyed, have been destroyed in the passive from Benjamin. Like, this is, we don't know where yeah, it's yeah, just like, what are you going to do, right? Okay. They want to establish. Yeah, they they almost wiped out the tribe, and now yeah, we've only got six hundred. And two hundred. You've got six hundred guys. These are. This is it. This is, this is. These are the survivors, and they want to make sure that they can rebuild their tribe. You take away a third of them, and they're living. You get a third of them that are living are going to never not not procreate. So what are they going to do? Okay. So and 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 of course that's that's who Shaul fights for later on, right? So he's so when when uh, so again this the contrast with this Shaul, with this, with the Saul story with the Shaul story that that Shaul is with the Yavesh Gilad is being threatened and Shaul goes to bat for them. Right. Well, it seems that there would be already a very strong bond. Yes. So many of them had. It makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It actually would really make sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So they say here it's not enough wives. Okay. All right. So Right. We are going to have to. We have to. We have to make it so that that they don't get. You know that that this remnant can go on and a, a, a tribe won't be won't be wiped out from Israel. And we can't give them one of our own daughters because we all swore that, that anyone who gave, gives a wife you know, to Benjamin should be cursed. They say, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a holiday to God in Shiloh. It's always, been, it's always happened. That's north east of Betel, on the road that leads from Betel towards Shechem, right, in south of Lavona, right, because we need directions to Shiloh, we have no idea where it is, and this is telling us where it is, okay. And they say to the children, to the, descendants, the descendants of Benjamin, the Benjaminites, rather, saying, go and kind of make an ambush in the vineyards. And when you'll see, when the girls of Shiloh come out to dance, you go out of the vineyards and you grab them. 
Each guy grabs his wife, right? It was like seven brides for seven brothers, right? From from the Dutch show. And and Binyamin, and then, then go, you grab him and you go to the land of Binyamin. Okay? The This is this is amazing. And when their fathers or their brothers come to like argue with us, and we'll say to them, feel bad for them. Right? You, 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 um, you know, you didn't give them, and now it's, it's, it's on you. Like, you should feel bad for them. So, for the Binyaminites, Binyaminites, okay? We didn't, it sounds like, uh, the, yeah. They didn't the oath because they didn't give the women the Binyaminites. Yeah, 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 no, they didn't, no, they took them, right. Right, right, right. That's that's the way they get around it. Right, exactly. (laughs) You started with a rape and you're ending with a rape, and I think you're supposed to realize this. I think you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to realize this. And these Benjaminites did that, and they took women according to their numbers. In other words, each one now got a wife from the dancers that they stole. And they returned to their portion, and they built cities, and they dwelt in them. And everyone went home. Job finished. Job done. Everything's fine. Now we settled all the problems. Everyone went home. And we end with, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and each person did what was right in his eyes. That's this, this kind of, 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 of um, snowballing, right? Where we started with a rape, we started with a murder, and we end with murder and rape, right? And everyone, and you could actually, yeah, you could actually, and we're in a certain way, like I can, you know, we can all shake our heads, but there's always a reason. Right? There's always a reason for the next step, right? There's a reason that they declare war on 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 Giv'ah, and then there's a reason that Binyamin's like, no, we're not giving up our city, and there's a reason that they're declaring war on Binyamin, and there's a reason they almost wiped out Binyamin, and there's a reason they made the oath, both oaths, right? Because they wanted everyone to come out to war with them, right? And then there's a reason that they that they that they that they wiped out that Yevashkil Ad, and then there's a reason that they have to have have these girls be grabbed. By people from Benjamin, and this these series of reasons though have to do with not thinking things through with everyone, and, and there's this unity we have. Everyone's like one man, right? And that seems great. It seems like a wonderful thing. Everyone's unified, but there's a real danger when everyone's outraged and everyone's unified, and no one's saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on." Hold on. What happens when we do this? Or maybe there's something else we could do when everyone's being carried on by this wave of outrage, even when it starts with something real, right? Because it, it starts with something real, right? It's not that it's not the whole thing's a lie, but no one's checking and no one's thinking, and everyone's like, here we are together, we all have to be together, and we all have to fight. And if you're not one of our fighters, we will kill you afterwards, right? And that's, that's the danger of being carried on with this group. On the one hand, it feels wonderful because you're part of this group and you're all unified. And on the other hand, you're not thinking about what's next and what happens and what's the other side. And is what we're doing to these people, and I'm not talking about Givad now, but I'm talking about later on, is it, is the punishment, you know, does the punishment fit the crime here? In other words, 
okay, Benjamin fought us, and we can understand because we're all tribes. And they are like, no, we're not giving up part of our tribe. Was it is it is is it right to to wipe them out this way? Yavesh Gilad didn't come to war. Is this really correct to wipe out a city so we can take their women and give them to Benjamin? Like wipe out men, women, and children, right? And and it's like this kind of this this whole this whole thing gets rolling because there's no one saying hold wait. Wait, 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 what? Yes, this is terrible. But have you thought about this? Have you thought about these other things? And I think, to be perfectly honest, I, I understand this way more in today's environment than I did before. Like, I understand this, this kind of pull, and, and if I can talk about something like much smaller, but let's all get her fired. Like, like this thing that happens on Twitter, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It gets crazy. And even if this person, like, like sometimes they made a joke that was inappropriate that they really meant as a joke. It's being taken completely out of context. Sometimes they said something disgusting, but there's this, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one it was. The important thing is that we're all together and this person's horrible and let's destroy their lives, right? And like, and it's not a function of horrible instincts in people, right? It's a function of, oh, this is really terrible and we don't want this terrible thing to happen and how can this, how can this terrible thing be allowed to exist? But when the force becomes this kind of, yay, we're the group and we're thinking together and this, that makes it right. Right? That makes what we're doing, in consequence, the correct path. Because we're all together now, and anyone who isn't with us is against us. That's, that's where it, it gets dangerous. And, and for ourselves, for ourselves, I mean, there's the whole thing of what's, who's the melech, is the yetzer tov, and you have to, these always the, right? But the idea that, that for ourselves also, in other words, that, that we, on our own, instincts and outrage, and sometimes it's an outrage based on something, right? But to have that ability to kind of step back and say, wait, there's a, there's a king here, quote unquote, you know, and there's something, there's, there's, a, there's a, a ruler of all these different feelings and urges and things. And that doesn't mean that I'm not right to feel outraged, but maybe I should take a step back and at least consider other ways and other, other, other um, sides to the story. Why doesn't it say angel faith? Because because it's actually a refrain in Sefer Shoftim. It's 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 kind of editorial. It's it's a it's something that comes up again and again in Sefer Shoftim. It says, and it was in those times, and there was no king in Israel, right? Doesn't that sound like and, somebody added it later? Yeah, yeah, it does sound like somebody added it later. Absolutely. So Look, the fact that it says calls 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 Yivus Yerushalayim, right? Right. And, uh, and also yeah. So. Right, right, right. Well, the whole thing. If you say they're saying that Aaron's grandson is bringing so sacrifices, so it can't be at the end, right? Correct. correct. Right. So, so the reason it's at the end is because this is just the lowest, right? In other words, the the book of Shoftim. A lot of people say that the book of Shoftim, the book of Judges, is is the stories are not chronological, but they kind of they're kind of the good judges, and then worse and worse and worse judges, right? You know, you have at the end, you have Yiftach and Shimshon, and they're problematic people, right? And then we get to stories that aren't about judges at all. It's just about Israel doing bad things, or people in Israel doing bad things. So, so the idea is that there's this kind of, that that's the way the, the book is constructed, right? Not necessarily chronologically, but with this thing showing, okay, there are these good judges, and there are these bad judges, and, that, and, and, and the whole point is, and there's no leadership at all. And in between the judges, there's no leadership. And that's why it kind of repeats in the book. It's in between, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no leadership. And yes, it, it, the assumption is that these, these um, separate stories are all kind of edited together when there is a king. Yeah. 
You know, you kind of put them together and say, this is what it was like without a king. Yeah. Justifying the need for a king. Justifying the need for a king, absolutely. And, and you, what's interesting is you can read this as not just a king, but Shaul as a king. In other words, as Saul as a king. Because, because he's from Benjamin, who are these fierce fighters who knew the correct way to bring everyone together, who protected Yavesh Gilad, right? He's a leader... He's the leader we need, quote unquote, right? He's the leader who does the opposite of what every of the whole mess we have at the end of the of this of the story. And it's meant to be a mess. Like sometimes we read and say, like, oh yeah, you're supposed to be saying that they did the right thing. No, you're supposed to say, this is horrible. We started with this, we ended with worse, right? And and the idea is that that a king, like, for example, Shaul, does the right thing. Right? He's a king. He knows how to he knows how to unite the people, not by cutting up a concubine, but by cutting up an ox, right? He and he unites the people just fine. He knows he knows how to protect Yaveshkalah, not wipe it out, but protect it, right? All these things. So it can be read actually as a this is why it's good to have a king like like Shaul. And as, as I've often said, like the, the, the kingship is never actually removed from Shaul, right? Shaul lives and dies a king. It's his son who doesn't get the kingship, and that's his punishment because his son's awesome, right? 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 Yonatan has like nothing wrong with him, right? And so it's that's that's what makes Shaul's punishment a real punishment because so Yonatan would be great at would be a great king, but he doesn't get to be king because Shaul messed up. He was a great archer, also Yonatan. Yeah, Yonatan was good, and Yonatan knew to to when he when this is the, I, I said this before that Yonatan doesn't listen to his father's stupid oath when his father makes the oath that no and one should said, eat. And he says, he, he doesn't know, he doesn't know about it. He eats it, and they're like, oh, my, oh no, your father made, made an oath, and, da, da, da. and he's like, what a stupid oath. He's like, I just had some honey, and I feel great. Like I can, right? And then afterwards, when they, when they finished fighting, it says they all ate stuff on the blood because they were so hungry, right? And what Shaul had said was, what Shaul had said made them so hungry that they ate stuff on the blood, which they weren't allowed to do. And then, of course, later on, they, they have a loss, and it's because it's Benjamin ate, ate the honey, right? Benjamin, and Benjamin's like, that's it, take me to die. And, and, and Yonatan, yeah, sorry, did I say the wrong person? Yonatan is like, take me to die. And they're like, no, Yonatan, we love you, right? And they're like, no. And, and, and you don't find out what they did instead, right? But they actually get Yonatan out of it. They shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to get Yonatan out of the oath. And I always say that's why he had to die at the end of the book. He had to die. He had to, sorry, he had to die at the end of the book because he ate the honey in the beginning. And you can't just buy someone out of breaking an oath. What, what was the oath of Shaul made? Shaul made an oath. They were winning at battle. And Shaul didn't want them to lose their momentum. So he made an oath that no one should um, eat anything until the battle was over because he didn't want them to lose their momentum. So, so they're all in a forest and there's honey dripping and Yonatan has some honey and they're like, oh my God, you're fine. And, then, and he hadn't, didn't know about it. And they're like, oh no, your father's oath. And he's like, what a stupid oath. Like, I, I just now, I just had some honey and I got all my energy back. You know, what a dumb thing to, 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 to make everyone say. And you, and you find out that it really is a stupid thing. 
He said he, he he criticizes the oath. I don't not in exact not in the words what a dumb oath, but 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 he says you know what do you, you know, what is yeah you look at me I, I I had some honey and already like I, I've got you know all this and and so so and then at the end it says that they what is it they they they, they kind of they, they're so hungry they just grab stuff and eat it and it says on the blood exactly what that means it means they didn't get rid of the blood appropriately apparently because they were so darn hungry right so bad thing so that that was bad. That they did that, but then because he broke the oath, you have the standard loss, and then they have they do use the urim and vitumim to find out who it was, and and it's uh, and it's Yonatan, and he's except Yonatan. So this is the thing. So so it reminds you of Yiftach, but with Yiftach, it's like okay, that's it. She's 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 dead, right? Or whatever, whatever happens to her, she's not going to be a normal girl living her life, right? That's it. Right, and with with Yonatan, the nation's like, no, we know Yonatan, we're not gonna like that, and they they like do something, they they like kind of buy, they, yeah, they put Delta, and the question is, what exactly did they redeem him with? This is also a question. What did they redeem him with? What do you redeem a person's life with? Right. So they redeem him, but you shouldn't be able to redeem someone in a situation like that. Like in in general in the Bible, oaths are oaths. You can't just get out of it. Right. But then there's also you see the theme in all this story where there's that other thing. Yeah. Like, and this is why you should never make a nether. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like right. 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 There's this like, repeating thing. Don't make an oath. Don't, Don't make an oath. And that's the thing. Yeah. But it's like it's amazing. There must have been. There was this huge urge to make oaths. Like you have this whole section. Like people are just like, oh my gosh, I've got to make an oath. Like bottom line is, don't make oaths. Making oaths is stupid, and everyone keeps doing it. There's no way of canceling an oath. Of course, now nowadays there is, but in the in biblically, biblically, usually it ended like biblically, especially when you read the story with Yiftach and his daughter. So it it sounds like there's just no way to get out of the oath. That's why the Gemara has so much trouble with it because we have ways of getting out of the oath. The Gemara is like, why did he take one of the ways? And the answer was everyone was being stubborn and not getting you know. But but in biblically, it's the the approach like in these biblical put it this way in biblical stories, the approach seems to be that you don't get out of an oath, right? The exception is Yonatan, right? The exception is that Yonatan gets out of this oath. Yonatan broke the oath. They're all paying for it. Like, he's really guilty, right? He's the guy. He's ready to die for it because he's just assuming he's going to die. And then somehow the nation gives something else instead of him, okay? We don't know what, right? And this is supposed to get out, and apparently it works, right? Apparently it works. I still think that's the right reason he has to die. Like, and that's the right. reason at the end he's got to die, because he's, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. Say, in that uh, world, in that period, no one's getting out of oaths, right? I think yeah. we should understand that people in those days maybe had an appreciation for the power of words that we've lost. I, I think so, yeah. The, the world was created... Look, yeah, look, in the in the Torah, in the Torah it says you can't put a stumbling block before the blind and you can't curse someone who's deaf, okay? And the parallel is pretty clear. When you put a stumbling block in front of a, a blind person, they'll trip over it and they won't they won't know who did it, but you you hurt them, right? You hurt them they didn't know. And if you curse a deaf person, you're hurting him and he'll never know who did it. 
right? Right? Because you're actually, you are actually hurting this person by cursing him. And he's deaf, so he's never going to know. You're not allowed to do that. That's wrong, right? And it's, it's, it's a principle. I don't think it's specifically only, you, you can't do these things where you're hurting someone, but you're going to get away with it like that, you know? And that's why you, that's why you feel you can hurt them. So th- there's, there is absolutely this idea that, that words have tremendous power. Tremendous power. Um, of Shiloh? Why were the girls from Shiloh? The girls, the girls from Shiloh because they have a festival in Shiloh. Now you can say, well, because the Mishkan is in Shiloh, right? So that's why they have a festival in Shiloh, but it's a little... It's, no, 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 no. It, it, I don't think so because it doesn't say anything about it. Like, there's a. It, it's interesting. That's an interesting an idea. That's an interesting idea because he's from Levi and then these girls are from Levi. I don't think because they're described as dancers... They're described as just girls, you know, celebrating the festival. It doesn't sound, it doesn't, it doesn't, it could have connected them to Levi the same way Yavesh Gilad is clearly Yavesh Gilad. It, it could have easily connected them to Levi and it doesn't. And there's a real tribal sensibility in this story. Um, I shouldn't say that. It's tribal sensibility mainly Binyamin and everyone else, right? Someone from my red team with the namelessness. No one has a name. That's right, no one has a name in this story, right. And that, yeah. To try to tell the story to someone, and he and he and he and he. Right, 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 and that's it's also you know whenever you have it, it's interesting because on the one hand, an anonymous story sounds like it's not true, but on the other hand, there's been no effort to give people names, right? In other words, like what do you do? What this is what they say that liars a lot of times fill in a lot of details and give people a lot of details because they know that if you give a lot of details, people are going to be like, oh well, you know, it's you know. Right, and and here, you know, they'll give things, they'll give people names, you know, and like, and here, everything's anonymous, and it's just, I think it adds to this kind of unsettling effect of like not knowing and not not really getting what's going on, and like unnamed people, you know. About the Shiloh girls, I always sort of had the impression they weren't necessarily girls from. The only thing is, um, it says imiates u benochilo, if the girls of Shiloh go out. So it says if the girls of Shiloh go out. So you could say, well, it's saying girls of Shiloh, but also because they, they're having a festival, so you would assume the girls, but it does sound like it's, it makes it sound like it's a local festival and the girls of Shiloh are going to go out. Because that, that's what it says. It says, If the girls of, or probably means more when, the girls of Shiloh go out to dance. Now it could just be the girls who are in Shiloh happen to be that's in Shiloh was, at the time. Uh, right. Because always, always when I grew up, with this story, right? It was like, oh, all the girls are going to go, right? Right, to Shiloh. But the truth is, they don't actually need that many more. They only need 200. But I guess that would be a lot, actually. There'd be a lot of of, of young, unmarried girls to be dancing in those days from one little town. And they have to be... You have to figure word got out. No, the point is that no one's one's word is getting out. Because realize the brothers and the fathers are coming afterwards and saying, what, what? Right? And there was like, like, no one knows. The idea isn't that the brothers and the fathers are like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, go out to the fields and dance. And maybe you want to put on some makeup first. Like, it's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not what's going on. No one knows that, 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 that these, these Benjamin guys are going to do this. So, anyway, so thank you very much for coming. 
I hope you enjoyed that lecture on Pilegish Bagiva. I do want to say that the reason I was laughing at the end was because it was such a horrifying solution to kind of end this series of actions gone wrong with an essentially authorized rape. And we began with a rape, we end with a rape. You're meant to be baffled and horrified. This is all kind of an argument of why this type of rule doesn't work, even when there are reasons for what they're doing. Um, also, another little thing that I didn't address was the anonymity in this story that everyone is, the people are kind of indicated by their tribe, et cetera, not by name. And I think the idea is to make it feel emblematic of the period, as opposed to saying this is a historical thing that happened to this specific person. So I hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you have any questions, please leave them on the post at understandingsin.com and I will address it either on the site or in a podcast episode or both. So let me know what you think and see you next time. You've been listening to Topics in the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls with Dr. Miriam Brand. Learn more at understandingsin.com.